On the show, head knocks and concussion are in the news again as fresh research brings new info to the fore. White noise, 36's sack co-captain as the club's coaching target rejects their offer. The scouts can't lose from AFL clubs. Where does that leave this year's draft? That's up next on The Press Box. The band is back together. Oh boy, I'm pumped about it. I'm hoping you are too. Welcome to the Press Box, another edition inside this coronavirus pandemic. We're doing our best to get ourselves through without any sport on. And uh, it's just me in the studio once again as my uh, my good friends who generally join me in here can't be there at home uh, over Skype and we're trying our very best to make this happen as you could already hear. Jace Kemp is back on the show and Dale Fletcher's at home. Welcome lads. Oh, it's good to be here. Good to be here again. Even though we're not in the same room, we're sort of uh, able to communicate over the internet, even though uh, Dale's got a bit of a dodgy reception and a, and a bit of a dodgy <laughs> microphone too. Oh, I'm not dodgy. At least, at least I didn't have a two-week uh, oh. enforced break. Oh, oh, I've, I've, again already. I've, I've bought, the, uh, bought the microphone especially, uh, and uh, the tax man will be uh, getting that receipt. You got tip. Um, <laughs> and... Uh, yeah, no, it's uh, sensational to be here, and I actually quite like this setup. This uh, this headphone um, that I've uh, headphones like that I've... It sounds like you're about to land a bloody plane. <laughs> well, actually, I see myself in the video here, and it actually looks like I should be flying a plane. So uh, it's probably it's uh, yeah, no, it's, uh, it's a bit weird, but we'll get used to it. I've got a cracker photo of that now. I've just taken one of you, Dale, with the new green uh, headset that you've bought from JB Hi-Fi today for oh, thirty bucks. On the Twitter <laughs> that is getting out or, there. Everyone's going to see it. Or, or it's either green or purple. Uh, I don't think purple would have uh, suited. And uh, I think the green headset would uh, would go very well with the, the blue running singlet too, Jace. Uh. I like it. I like it. Now, Jace, you have been away. You've uh, missed a few shows, but you're back now, which is great. But um, in your world, we've missed a little bit of you because I'll tell you what, the, the media landscape has been flipped upside down, as has the rest of the world. Tell us what you've been doing because in TV land, you've still got to write stories and you've still got to do everything you've got to do to put pictures on a screen at 6 o'clock at night. But how do you do that from home? Yeah, it's very interesting. It's uh, completely changed. and It seems to be continuing to change as we uh, sort of go deeper and deeper into this um coronavirus situation it went from a couple of weeks ago where I was a sports reporter now I'm a news reporter it's sort of uh, our sports team has sort of disbanded for a little bit with uh, poor old Will, Will Goodings just doing a bit of a Friday wrap because at the moment let's face it there is no sport except if you're watching uh, I think South Korea had a baseball game going on this week which is the only sport that's been reported around the world meanwhile Dana White's trying to organise a fight island for oh. all of his UFC fighters so there's, there's literally nothing to report on so I think what we're doing at the moment is just we're still re- reporting what's happening with the footy clubs in terms of the Crows and the Power and, and anything that happens, you know, with um, 36ers, um, they're about to sign a new coach hopefully in the next couple of days is what we're hearing. Um, but other than that, we're sort of just, you know, making sure that we're covering a, a lot of our news stories as well. And to, on top of that, though, the, the interesting thing is that we're sort of been quarantined or isolating ourselves from the station. So we're not really allowed in the station at the moment, which means the laptop that I'm seeing you guys on that uh, we're doing this podcast over is the laptop that I'm using to write my stories on the road that I'm having to do our voices with on the road is through my iPhone, would you believe? But it still has a, a really good quality that you, can, you can't really tell. And, and there's a couple of people back at the station manipulating volume levels and things like that. So it sounds really, really good when it goes to where. But it's a whole new world. I never thought it would happen 
this way. But it's just, it just turns out, you know, everything's changing and we're not the only ones doing it. It looks like the other stations are doing it. I know that you guys as well in radio and, um, uh, and uh, printer, you know, everything's changed in the last few weeks. I always knew your voice was manip- manipulated when I uh, <laughs> watched the watch the TV every night. I just I just knew it. But um, how? What's the uh, thought process with you guys? Like what what events or what press conferences and stuff to go to and what mm. not to go to? There's um there's uh, with all this social distancing, you can't really uh, just be out on the road as such uh, well, right now. Yeah, it's a good question because it has changed with social distancing, and and what we've found is that. All three networks, and actually I should say the ABC as well, um, is that we're all partnering together. So instead of having four or five different journalists at a press conference, what they're doing now is they're pulling that press conference. So we've only got one camera and one journalist at that presser and everyone sends their questions in now. So really we're social distancing and isolating to make sure that we're not all at the same presser getting what really we're getting the same footage anyway. So it's not like it's an exclusive or anything anyway. So we're now we're just making sure that we're doing all the right things, abiding by the rules and making sure that everyone's safe, that when they go to this presser, everyone's still getting their questions asked. It's only just being asked by one person though. Are you still taking part in any of those um, those new Zoom press conferences, which I've seen a few footy clubs get involved with? I haven't done any yet, but I know that Maxi Burford is uh, getting involved with the Crows and the Power when they have their coaches put up or the players put up. Actually, I think they've got someone tomorrow. Tom I Lynch. Think, um, Tom Lynch is speaking tomorrow. So he'll um, get on board with that. And I think they just write in their questions on it and then they um, have a chat on Zoom. So, yeah, a new way. I honestly think that it, yeah, the, the landscape is going to be forever changed because of this now. Like I, I think that this uh, clubs and, and um, different sporting teams are going to adapt and instead of having, you know, this this new way of technology that we can now, we don't have to get everyone there at the same time. They can put out stuff when they're travelling away or, if you know, if they're here and they just have a closed session, if they want to keep it, you know, behind closed doors. I think this is the way forward. Things can be very interesting and you certainly touched on a lot of those new changes in the world of TV. It's very different as well. I mean, Dale's been walking us through the last couple of weeks about how the paper world is and a lot of it's online, which is very helpful for him and he can do everything from home in his little deck chair. But in radio, it's very different too. So in our circumstance, we've got now um, you know, no sports. So I work on a sports show. We've got two hours to fill. You can't talk about sport because there's nothing happening. So we've mm. had to sort of innovate as well and look at how do we now get uh, the most COVID information out at the time because at about 3.34 o'clock when South Australia hits all the news now for um, when the coronavirus uh, new cases pop up for the day. Um, so we try to get all the information out at once and instead of just bulletins on the hour, we've incorporated Will Goodings, who's from 10 and our Double yep. uh, A Bricky show. He's doing uh, sort of bulletins every 15, 20 minutes with Mel Usher, one of our newsreaders um, and award-winning newsreaders. And they come together and sort of within the Rowing Big show, intertwine themselves uh, with their own segments. So it's two shows in one um, with sport. Basically, you get your sports fixed with the boys, but then you also get your, your COVID and, and really important um, uh, virus news, which is uh, coming through those guys all within the same drive hours, which is magnificent. All the while, which is something that's just blown my mind, is having to broadcast live radio from home. Bix and Rowie and so of our uh, Brecky team and now slowly other people, Jeremy Cordo, a whole bunch of others, are starting to broadcast their programs live from their own homes. Now, for hours on end, they're broadcasting in their lounge rooms, in their bedrooms, all through an app on their phone. It can be dodgy at times. We've had some dropouts. (laughs) We've had some interesting moments. But all the while, it's 
unbelievable how easy you can remotely do hours and hours of broadcasting and how and like you're saying jace i think all in one as i come circle back this world of media is going to change on the back of this because it's we've now found we've been forced to think outside the square and we can now go and broadcast and do all these things away from one little hub in the city it's incredible well, I think everything's adapting. It's not just, you know, the media and, you know, the clubs and football clubs and sporting clubs doing it like this as well. I can't imagine once everything resumes that business people are going to be flying between cities to do, to do um, you know, conferences with, in different states. I no. just can't imagine it happening now. They're going to save so much money. Now that they've been forced to adapt Zoom and, you know, this sort of technology, they're not going to send their, their clientele interstate and pay all those, you know, airfares and hotels and expenditures to send someone interstate when they can do it literally over the over a laptop. What about footy? I know we've talked about this a little while, but do you think it's coming to an end, the, the live football call from the ground we might end up having in the AFL and other sports? The old caravan, I can see uh, Dale's eyes, eyes light up. The old caravan, the NBL's doing it. Can, could it be uh, calling off a screen for forever and a day now? I don't think so. I think there should be um, a certain set call team in in each state, um, especially when uh, it comes to um, live sport, um, live on TV. If there if there was delayed telecasts of stuff, then maybe uh, you could go the caravan model. But uh, you can uh, you can definitely you, can, you can't really tell really watching. And I've watched pretty much every NBL game last season. You can't really tell. The difference, but uh, obviously there, there there is a big difference, and John Casey told us that a few mm. episodes back. But uh, I feel that uh, the cricket, definitely the cricket, and and the footy would have will still have commentators uh, at the ground. Surely, surely they couldn't. Surely there couldn't be a caravan for everything because geez, geez I wish yeah. I had shares in that caravan. Caravan. <laughs> I can't see um, commentators coming back this year, though. I think the caravan will be prominent for the 2020 season. Yeah. I just can't see in any way, shape, or form. And that it's not just commentators. I think crowds. I can't see crowds seeing any footy games this year. Well, that, that's interesting. You say um, you don't think the crowds will come back. Um, yeah. If crowds were allowed to come back, would you go? Would you think of going? Well, probably not. You know, this is the harsh reality of it is that we're in a, a world now that's post-COVID-19 and we've seen how infectious as it is. And, you know, I'd ask you, you as a father, would you go? Would you take little Archie to a footy game now? Uh, not, not at all. I'd, I'd, I'd be staying at home. I'd be watching the lovely coverage on Fox Footy Life on, on mm-hmm. KF Sports for sure. <laughs> but um, um, I was one. I, um, we decided to take... Archie out of school before you know, well, mm. his his school was still still open, so um, we just made that decision. So um, no, I wouldn't I wouldn't be going to the the footy anytime soon. Even though I had a, a massive uh, four day uh, annual leave break with a few mates, they're all going to come to Adelaide in about two weeks, and we we're going to watch about four games of footy. And uh, mm. it'd been uh, all booked in for over twelve months, so uh, I'm going to be pretty flat that weekend when that comes when that rolls around. Let's move away from all that just for one moment, though, because we will touch on footy a little bit later on. Firstly, I think we want to get straight into what really is breaking overnight on Tuesday night. Rightio. Uh, hot off the press uh, this week is literally hot off the press. It's actually about an hour old. Um, uh, there was, there's been a report out uh, from the Adelaide 36ers tonight. Uh, they've decided to release 
Kevin White, uh, their co-captain from last season. Now, uh, people remember that White was embroiled in a, a massive Twitter Twitter mm. uh, rant um, after the 36ers finished their season uh, last season. Um, called out uh, Jerry Wright and posted some uh, group chats that everyone got to got to read and uh, it was just uh, blew everyone down um, with a feather actually so it was sort of real salacious um, screen grabs there that uh, everyone in the Twitter sphere got to to read so um, he, he actually had a, a an option to to go on um, and play for the sixes in NBL 21 but uh, the club has released him from his contract um, and uh, their main coaching target, uh, Adam Caporn, which uh, it was pretty much uh, shorter than weeks to, to get the job, um, got offered the job uh, over the past seven days and has told the club to, to well, shove it really. So uh, he, he, he wants to um, – he'd prefer to stay in Canberra at the Centre of Excellence and um, – and uh, coach the basketball's next generation. So, uh, moving door, uh, sliding doors uh, moment uh, tonight for uh, the 36ers. So, who should take over then for the Adelaide 36ers? Because Joey Wright's out, and then uh, now a couple of candidates are sort of out of the running. Um, who, who in the world is left? Uh, well, if you was uh, if you ask Jeff Van Groningen, there, 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 there's a lot of. Uh, great prospects uh, out there and uh, the club said that the uh, decision would probably be made this week so it'll be interesting to see who plan B and plan C is um, initially uh, a lot of the rumours were pointing at Andrew Gaze um, uh, obviously that was uh, quashed very quickly and now uh, uh, Adam Caporn news is very interesting um, I think the um, the pandemic clearly has, has a massive massive issue on this um, uh, with Caporn uh, having the job at the Centre of Excellence, you know, it's a federal government-funded job. Um, anyone in their right mind at in, in uh, right now in the world, if you had a a government-funded job, um, you won't, you wouldn't be leaving that to uh, go to a, a private business, would you? So, who coaches the 36ers? Who knows? But um, if you if you really want to coach at the NBA level and uh, you're willing to uh, uh, not get paid much. Um, now might be your right time to uh, put the resume in. I'm not so interested in who's going to coach the 36ers. I'm more interested in who's going to play for the 36ers. They've just lost their <laughs> co-captain, and, and now they're talking about in that in that press you know, statement they put out. They said key player announcements will be made some stage uh, at a later stage. Who are they going to get? You know, they said that they're getting rid of Kevin White because they wanted um, a different direction in their backcourt rotation. Well, who are they sort of looking at? And what sort of avenues do you think they're going to go down? It's remarkable, isn't it? Because even Jerome Randall is probably not going to suit up for the Sixers for the first half of the season with that injury nah. he did over in Europe, uh, ACL. So, I mean, even the stardom can't even hold up, you know, the the, the core of the Sixers lineup because majority of it's going. We saw Drimmick um, has been released, mm-hmm. as has uh, Harry Froling. He's been released, so they won't be there next year. It's a pretty uh, pretty much a skeleton team that's left. Yeah, the the Sixers at this stage have uh, Daniel Johnson's signed. He'll be running around. Uh, Jack McBay will be there. Alex Majonia will be there as well. And um, if you if you speak or speak to the club, uh, Jerome Randall will run around again, which is uh, um, 
very questionable in, in, in my eyes. I, I don't think he'll, he'll, he'll be playing. And the big off-season signing, Josh Giddy coming in. So he's pretty much the reason why I think Kevin White has been released. Obviously, besides the fact that uh, you just outed your former coach on Twitter, that might have something to do with it. Maybe. But uh, if you have, if you look at the depth chart, um, Josh Giddy really takes over a lot of the guards' minutes there. And uh, I don't think... Uh, Kevin Wright was required. So, um, yes. Dale, you did, say, you did say a couple of weeks ago, um, or actually a couple of months ago when this all blew up, uh, the Sixers, that there was only going to be two current Sixers players to remain at the club. So currently you've named about uh, three or four there that will probably four, stay, including yeah. Randall. Yeah, so um, are we expecting any more to stay on or are we expecting that to be it? Uh, yeah, McVeigh and Majonia were the only two signed at that stage. That uh, when I said that, um, Daniel Johnson staying is is key. Obviously, he's the three or four, five time MVP now. Um, so um, that's massive. Um, Randall Randall has the option of coming coming back. Um, the club said that you know he'll he'll be back and um, will play midway through the year. I can't really see that happening, uh, especially especially now with the um, the border lockdown. And uh, he's he's currently Jerome Randall currently has one good knee and lives in Spain. And Spain has a, a lot of coronavirus cases. I don't think he'll be uh, anyone uh, from anyone flying in from Spain in, in, anytime soon. So probably wouldn't. Uh, um, Say that Randall will be playing, but uh, so the Sixers have four players signed. Um, that's pretty much more than a lot of other clubs right at this moment. So um, it's, it's going to be a very interesting off season, and now free agency doesn't start till May. Do you think if Kevin White had his time over again, he would have unlaunched the same Twitter tirade? <laughs> you know, if he um, and now he's been cut loose of his, you know, he had a, he had a locked in. Uh, a year to go, do you reckon he would have uh, not done it had of, uh, he known that he would have been released from his contract? I I think he knew he was going to get released. That's why he um, let fly with the Twitter tirade. I think he already knew um, um, that this was going to happen or probably would have been told. Um, it's just it's just until now that it's been finalised, really. I think the club would have told him before the Twitter tirade that probably his uh, his option to uh, to stay on for next season wouldn't get picked up and hence uh, Cuba said Twitter tirade. Just speaking before of the uh, border lockdown, obviously uh, it means players like Jerome Randall can't get back into the country, but then also the Aussie players that were in the NBA at this stage uh, and the NBA looks to be... Uh, just sort of withering away, as is a lot of other competitions, with the NBL coming up and borders sort of being locked down. What are you expecting, Dale, for NBL 21? Because it sounds like there could be some uh, big names on the way. Yeah, I think I said this a couple of weeks ago um, when all this pandemic uh, stuff started. Um, but the NBL and even all, all sports um, this summer that um, usually sign heaps of imports, um, the, the teams will look different I think um, and uh, even Jeff Van Groningen said in in the advertise on Monday morning that um, even people um, clubs now are looking at import level 
Australians playing in North America and and Europe. So that that pretty much tells me that uh, the the European leagues and the NBA um, um, moving forward probably won't be playing anytime soon. And it's a, a great a great time for the NBL to get a lot of Australian talent back into the NBL uh, this season um, because, you know, they're all citizens. All, all those guys will potentially like to come home. Uh, got families. They would like to come home. Um, they're allowed to come home. They're citizens. Uh, all they have to do is quarantine for 14 days and then um, they can uh, get get on with playing, especially if Australia is, uh, is free of this uh, pandemic uh, around October. I'll use the, uh, uh, the same question I put to you over Facebook, is that if I'm the Utah Jazz and I've got Joe Ingles on my uh, roster, I pay $10 million bucks a year for him to play on my roster, why would he come over to a team here in Australia and play? Because the, 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 there's an opportunity there for your star player to keep in match shape rather than sit on the couch and eat corn chips and drink Coke. So that's probably one good reason for it to happen. Obviously, yes, um, there is the injury factor, but there's a, obviously there's a big factor at the Utah Jazz to even getting coronavirus because uh, the, they were one of the first teams that got it. So um, it's probably safer for uh, for Ingles to to be in Australia. Can he play for the Thirty Sixes? I probably think that he won't play for the 36. He's probably more Melbourne-based now with uh, his lovely wife, Renee, which is who's from Melbourne, and he's obviously got affinity there with um, played with the South Dragons in a championship team. But I have done a little bit of crystal balling, Ooh. and uh, I reckon there's a lot of NBA talent out there um, that are Australian. Um, I think the NBL should do a draft. Of the NBA players, if all the NBA players want to come back, um, should it have a draft? So mm. I've so I've done a phantom draft here, mock draft, NBL mock draft. I like this. Let's just, let's just say everyone is available. Everyone signed on the dotted line because you got to realise too the Boomers Tokyo Olympic bid. We, we need we need the guys together. So this would be the perfect time to have all the camps, all the training camps throughout the NBL, they'll all be in Australia. They'll all be together, which is very rare these days. Um, so I've come up with an NBL mock draft. Far away. For, for yeah, NBL for 21. Uh, so I've only um, – it's not in any order, but Adelaide get Joe Ingalls because he's South Australian. So nice. probably won't happen, but that's why it's a mock draft. Cairns <laughs> uh, Taipans get Aaron Baines. He's from North Queensland, so he's um, he'd fit in. He'd be perfect, perfect fit for the Taipans. So Aaron Baines to the Taipans. Uh, the Southeast Melbourne Phoenix get Dante Exum purely because he owns the team. So I'm pretty sure he's not going to play for anyone else. Um, so Dante Exum to the Phoenix. Uh, the Illawarra Hawks get Paddy Mills. Um, he's had a lot of. Um, a lot of relationship with the Hawks in the past through his heritage. They do have a team, and they probably <laughs> and, they, and they'll have a new owner this week too. This so, week? Uh, so um, yeah, that, that uh, watch this space there. Is it, um, is it, a, uh, is it a young kid that's going to buy it? Are you supply from? 
reckon it, the 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 next owner of the Laura Hawks will be based overseas. Oh. Say about that. Um, oh. uh, the Sydney Kings already have Andrew Bogut, so they don't get anyone. Sorry, Sydney, you're you're too you're too good already. So um, yep, fair enough. And, and, and he's a part owner too. Yeah, and he's a part owner. Yeah. And 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 plus the fact there's a lot of European based Australians at the Kings. Where's De- Where's Delavadova going? Matthew Delavadova is going to the Brisbane Bullets. Oh, I thought, you, I thought you were about uh, to say your mob. No, no. The Perth Wildcats get Thon Maker. They, they would need a centre to replace Miles Plum, Plumley. So Thon Maker. Oh, here we go. He's going to get oh, oh, here yes. we go. It's a stitch um, on the <laughs> New Zealand Breakers get Stephen Adams. Yeah, who's, yeah, yeah. Who's, who's, yeah, yeah, who's yeah. your team getting? Stephen Adams, who's a New oh, Zealander, yes. can go play for the Breakers. Yes, yeah, yeah. drum roll. And, and, and they've – and Matt Walsh, the owner of the Breakers, of, has already come out and said that the Breakers next year will be all an all-New Zealand outfit. This, so this Stephen is Adams is fast can around, Sam. <laughs> it's can't believe oh, this. But Melbourne United yes. <laughs> get two plates. Oh, get out of here. Ben Simmons and Jonah Bolden. Oh, bugger off. <laughs> this is not Trader. a mock draft. It's just <laughs> fast. Pull this out of his backside. <laughs> but, uh, nah, but, but Ben Simmons in the mock draft and Jonah Bolden will probably play for one of the mills. Why can't Ben Simmons go to, to the Phoenix? Well, he can if he wants, <laughs> wants to, but uh, I don't think uh, Dante Exum would want to yeah, play for tough. anyone else that he doesn't. Own. So, um, how about that? There you go. Put that in your pipe and smoke it. I think it's what, <laughs> what you're trying to say. Um, well, that's. Uh, I think. I think having 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 looked back on that, um, Joe Ingles probably doesn't play for Adelaide given the past there. Yeah. Um, but I think for all 36ers fans out there, probably Pat, Paddy Mills would be the best fit. Um, he's mm-hmm. an Adelaide Crows ambassador um, and d- definite. Uh, Definite draw card, and uh, well, he's a real. Um, it was a little bit better than Jerome Randall. Let's put it that way. <laughs> Just a little bit. All right, can we we'll move off basketball? We've spent plenty of time on it, and there's only going to be more and more developments this week, which sounds very, very good. Uh, let's move into the footy. Um, we might not spend as long on this because uh, this is just making the rounds every single day. We're churning it in and out, uh, in and shaping it into all sorts of different forms. But the comeback, Jace, um, to football has taken a little turn today um, when Caroline Wilson on Monday night decided to throw a bit of a radical idea out there that could have legs. Yeah, well, she's pretty much earmarked July 24th as the start of AFL to return, which coincidentally also falls on the date that the Tokyo Olympics, which would have started, but it's not so um, it's not so uh, coincidental when you factor in that they're doing, she's named that date because Channel 7's broadcast rights was going to cover the Olympics for those two weeks. Now, the, because they've got those allocated time slots, it sort of fits in perfect with the AFL's return for those dates, which means that the AFL, if they did decide to come back around that time, is that they could lock in a two-week block of games, back-to-back games, basically, so every team would play. So there'd be like a Saturday night, Sunday night, Monday night, Tuesday night, Wednesday night, and, and, and day games included, so that they could basically have a whole block of games and try and get back as much as the season as they've lost straight off the bat. So almost like supercharging the season at the start and then sort of finding a normal rhythm after that. So it's, it's a unique case, and, and what makes it even 
you know, uh, even more unique is that with these AFL hubs going on, and we could potentially see, you know, six teams here in South Australia, six teams in Western Australia, and then, you know, another six teams, you know, in Tassie somewhere. So it's just how do we get back? I'm not sure, you know, I, you boys have said and you've already said on the podcast that you don't see AFL probably coming back this year. I think it does come back, but I think they have to go down this AFL hub's uh, route if they want to do it. I can't envisage um, or seeing fans being back at any of the stadiums. I can't. I can't see fans um, being back at games this year, which means you know what happens in a grand final. You know, it's, it's going to be a, a very strange situation when it comes to you know the second half of this year and when they're trying to cram in all these games at once. What actually trans Buyers is going to be something that was, is so foreign to us. It's just going to be the AFL trying to do as much as they can in a short amount of time as they can, but then, you know, trying to get football that's not really it, – it's just the players running around on an oval. It's not, you know, the fans aren't, won't be there um, and them trying to fit in a whole season in a couple of months. I think I think the idea is perfect, really. Um, it definitely has to have the hub – uh, the three hubs for to, to make it happen, um, especially with a, day, a game a day or even two games a day. Um, it's going to be, um, you know, a fo- footy fans' dream. Well, it's um, big bash. It's big bash footy, isn't it? Well, pretty much, but it's a lot better. Um, <laughs> but um, uh, also the hubs idea. You know, there's six teams. Uh, you you play every everyone once in that hub. Um, that, mm-hmm. that that would take. Even with three-day breaks in between, that's at least a good three weeks, three and a half weeks there in 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 a hub. There clearly be no fans for the hub, but that also gives no. the, the AFL three weeks or up to a month to hopefully get it this buys some more time. Pandemic, yeah, gets this pandemic back on track, and once the hubs, everyone plays each 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 other once in the hub. Then maybe then that's when the fans can come back. Hopefully, as I touch every yeah. piece of wood here. Well, and, well, and another factor, another factor that's going to play into it is, of course, Virgin Airlines. They look like they're on the fringe of you know mm. folding at the moment. Of course, they're the AFL. You know, they're partners with the AFL in terms of um, sponsorship and also flying all of the players around. So um, I think the, the the if they go under, then it obviously leaves a lot of you know we're not even there's. I think we had one flight at Adelaide Airport today. So there's, there's no planes flying at all at the moment. But if they did open the borders up for a little bit and Virgin aren't there, then it obviously puts a lot of strain on probably the AFL to try and get a deal done with Qantas even if think about relocating players. And so there's just another, you know, a spanner in the works too. And all the while, I think it's a great idea and people are trying to be optimistic Um I just can't see the world a, a way where there are just so many moving parts here for the AFL for this to possibly eventually get to a point where they can get games successfully on the park each and every day where players are, are locked away for 14 days, so are staff, so are, are grounds people, so are broadcast teams if there is any, uh, so are uh, the camera people then, uh, so are uh, runners and medical staff that would have to be at each and every game in case there's injuries, um, all these sorts of things in order for just a game of footy to get up. And I understand it's not just a game of footy. There's millions and millions of dollars involved in each and every one of them. Um, but the risks that are associated with every single one of one game coming together, purely because there's now hundreds of people gathering at a ground um, just to get this thing up and running, it, it, I, the, the worth... Um, 
is probably not. It's probably outweighing right now uh, the the need and 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 what and what we're really trying to get out of this situation where isolating and keeping people away is the reason South South Australia and Australia are being able to keep uh, the numbers um, of this of these cases down. If we start just putting them all out there, I think we're going to have a bit of a South Korea sort of uh, moment where we just jump straight back into uh, reality, thinking it's all going to be okay just because the numbers are dropping and all of a sudden. Uh, we have another outburst. I don't want to see that happen. It's just far too many moving parts for this to possibly all go perfectly right. Uh, uh, there's a, cu- a couple of things here. Um, first of all, it's April the 14th, so it's uh, an absolute – it's way down the track. Um, um, so if, if, if Australia doing this well now, imagine what it's going to be like in July. Mm. So um, – so I think if if we keep going down this path, the the, the curve's flattened and it, it's close close to flattened, and uh, and and we can re- resume with normality. Um, the the other thing is that there's been 14 day isolations with people coming back from overseas, staying in the one hotel and stuff like that. What what's the difference? Between that, those people flying back overseas and footy team staying in same said hotel and have the same bus travel on the same bus and go to the same ground where no one's at, and it, it, it'll just be um, pretty much the same as a, as a full plane of um, people flying in mm. from anywhere anywhere overseas. So that that and that takes in medical staff, umpires, runners, you know, cameraman. Every it'll it'll I'd love to be a part of that. All, all, it, all it takes, though, Dale, and I'm sorry to jump in, but all it takes is one person who's uh, bringing food to the players or something, or something tiny like this, where they, they something essential was given to them from outside this little bubble of, um, you know, of quarantine for them, where that's contaminated. And now one player's contaminated because they've eaten it or, or consumed or, or now they've got it. And now for 14 days, we have no idea. And now other players during those 14 days have played footy with them and, and kicked around and tackled and whatever now they've potentially got it it's just another outburst i'm just i'm just looking at this going with the amount of tiny little risks that are just associated with this whole thing going perfectly right for weeks and weeks on end i it just seems impossible to me but anyway, i, I want to keep hope i love how you guys have got hope and you've and you believe it's gonna it's gonna happen because i'd love for it to happen but i just i've got this uneasy feeling it's not going to be as easy as that well, the people, the people that are in isolation now and the hotels around Australia are eating, so someone's pre- preparing that food. Yeah, of course. So, and, and they're going to be – and those chefs or cooks or whatever you want to call them will be included in that, in that hub uh, pretty much. Mm. Um, the, the only negative thing I can think of is if someone breaks a leg, does a knee, does a shoulder. Hospital, yeah. yeah. Has to go – to hospital. That that's the only thing I can think of where the hub um, doesn't work. Um, that's the only thing. Well, um, well, does that mean that's an actually that's a very interesting point you bring up because does that mean once that player is no longer in that zone or that containment, they can't return? They, yeah. That's them done with the hub. Well, that's it. They'd be out anyway because if someone snaps their leg, yeah. Oh, I'm not saying that, but if you, if you just uh, hypothetically, if you you know hit your head hard, but you don't have concussion or, or whatever, and, you, and you're, you're you're really healthy, but that rules you out automatically, does it? 
Yeah, so I reckon if, if the hubs start and someone gets injured that bad that you have to go to hospital, I think you're, mm. you're clearly not playing in any more hub games. Mm. It's an interesting concept. It's uh, it's going to just keep developing too. And the other the other point of all this is how it's going to change the end of the year because, you know, this year is going to be unlike anything else when it comes to the the draft too. And it's I've been speaking to a couple of scouts at the moment who have actually been just like all admin staff at all footy clubs have all been cut loose. They're uh, no longer really required because they're just. At the moment, the football departments are running really thin, just trying to keep whoever is a necessity at the club just to keep it operating. Um, so scouts have somewhat been cut loose and I've been speaking to a couple and they've now been talking to some um, students and some, um, you know, draftees, potential draftees, giving them homework as what the AFL players are doing. They've been giving, um, you know, like their requirements, their, their fitness requirements on top of their already their uh, academic requirements to go and try and, you know, make sure that they're at, at a, a stage when if they do decide to bring the under-18 games back or if the, they do decide to bring, you know, those – is it the TAC Cup, is it? The, yep. um, yeah, so the, the TAC Cup games, that they're at some sort of fitness level where they can still show their ability um, and then hopefully if there is a draft this year that they can get picked up. No doubt there will be a draft, just depends – you know, how much um, football was played between now and them, if any. And that's going to lead to a, another conundrum is there's going to be a lot of football clubs going into that draft blind because scouts haven't done all their reports and all the players. They're only basing their information off last season's games. And a lot can change in a year. Like players change totally in a year. They grow, they develop, they become different um, in, a, in a season. So really these clubs are going into this draft and it's going to be sort of a lottery. And you look at the Crows, they've got four picks inside the first two rounds. You know, they've, you know some of their short-term futures hinging on this draft coming up and, and what picks they make. So it's it's just a whole other kettle of fish um, that's going to happen this year. I know this conversation's already been tossed up, but is it is it worth having the draft this year and should it be postponed? Because it, it can't be fair on teams like, for, like you say, the Crows there who have got themselves primed for, for, for new talent to come in. But this year it's, it's not going to be working in their favour whatsoever. Well, the other option is, of course, you raise the draft age. You postpone it this year. You raise the draft age, ma- making sure that no one can, uh, no one that misses out will be overlooked next year, and they're probably the year ahead of that. So, making sure that everyone is still included in that pool, which I don't mind that idea either, because you know it gives kids you know, straight out of high school a year, you know, to to develop some life skills, which is probably. They haven't had the chance to do before. They're straight into that AFL bubble when it's you know they're earning pretty good pretty good coin straight off the bat. So they they don't really get a taste of you know that real life having to go get a job or whatever they do in that year to really just you know have that separation. I had a, a gap year between you know finishing school and going to university <laughs> as, as many people did. It's just and it, you know it was great. But you know maybe that's maybe that's the model going forward for AFL players too. Uh, there shouldn't be a draft this year, uh, the, the, no doubt. Um, I think the, the AFL really um, should take this, uh, op- the, take the opportunity now to raise the draft age for good. Um, um, the, the, the lists, the playing lists are going to uh, obviously only going to go down. Um, there's talk of 35, you know, 40, 35, even even low as 30 on team lists. So there's pretty, I think it's pretty pointless having a draft this year, especially with a lot of players going out of the of the competition than 
the amount of players going into the competition. And obviously, a disadvantage advantages the Crows, as you've said, Jace. You know, four picks in the in the first two rounds. Um, raise the draft age now. Um, also, next year, you know, when the when the Sandfall's back, when the Waffles back, when all the other mm. VFL um, those players will be in those leagues and will make those leagues a hell of a lot better very, very quickly. So the, 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 they will rebound those leagues because the talent pool will be mm. immense in those leagues next year. So I reckon raise the draft age to 19 right now and, and keep it as that. Well, that debate's only going to continue over the next uh, week or few weeks, months, I suppose, for the rest of the year, really, until it gets close to the draft time. The AFL will have to make a decision. So we'll have to continue rolling on that one over the next uh, few episodes of the Press Box. But before we move on to Parcel Fast, which is one of our big ones this week, we've got loads in it. Concussion. Uh, last uh, On Monday night, it was... Uh, posted on the Herald Sun's website um, by Jay Clark, a story about some fresh new research that's been done uh, over in New Zealand um, by a whole few hundred of um, recent sports people who have suffered concussion um, and how many of them actually recover uh, quickly. Now, the AFL's protocol looks a little bit dodgy um, when you look at the new numbers that are coming out and whether or not it sort of fits uh, the bill. Uh, Jace, I know you sort of had a little look at this. Tell us a little bit more. Yeah, well, basically, it's they've gone over in New Zealand. A, a couple of doctors have done some research over there. They've looked at 594 patients that have had sports-related injuries, which, of course, is um, concussion. And what they've discovered is that half of those people that have had those sports-related injuries haven't recovered in less than 14 days, and that's two weeks. Now, the AFL's concussion protocol, if you can pass a test, you can basically go back straight onto the ground yeah. or if you, you know, might have to wait you know, a couple of days or a week to play the next game, which is far shorter than what this new study um, has presented. So, yeah, 14 days now looks like, you know, with this study being done is now, you know, the – the required amount, you'd have to wait. You'd have to wait two weeks after a concussion to get back and play onto the field. Now, it leaves um, some doubt and some speculation of whether the AFL will go ahead and adopt this. Um, it, it'll be further analysed, I'm guessing, by some of the, um, the experts or the, the doctors at the AFL. Um, it'll be a tough ploy, I think, if you're, you know, it's, it's good and bad. If you're a player and you've had a, a head knock, I think it's good because you can, you don't want to be rushed back too soon. It's bad for clubs. They're going to lose a player for, for two weeks. Where do you sit? You probably sit on, you know, making sure that your players, the health and safety is at the forefront. Um, but you are probably going to lose someone for two weeks if they do get concussed. Dale, we also saw that um, the numbers released that still one in four, so a quarter of those um, who were uh, tested in this research were still affected after even four weeks out of the game. So, I mean, that's remarkable that we could, you know, yes, 45% of them were recovered uh, after the 14 days. There's still 50% of them that have taken more than two weeks and some of them up to, and you know, half of those remaining ones, another two weeks to, to even start to feel okay. 
like just incredible to think that in the AFL, the protocol is you must pass a test five days before a game in order to get through. I mean, it almost seems like we're in the in the um, Stone Age when more numbers like this start to come out because I, people like Peter Jess, who's been a player agent but also a massive advocate for concussion um, for, for many years, has been advocating AFL need to get on the front foot now and start doing more things. These numbers are starting to push them in that direction, I would have thought. Yeah, for sure. The, the AFL would be mad not to... Um take this report and uh, and go with it really um the the have two weeks off uh for a concussion these days i think is is the way to go um there, there's going to be a lot of former players that have uh, mental health issues and 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 headaches and stuff after or post career and into their into their retirement into into their mid 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 to late 40s and and early 50s now that uh, can um have all the, med- the the research done to say that you know concussion caused their their um, issues that they have presently. So um, um, the AFL is staring that right in the face, and I think they need they need to change. Uh, they're going to change a lot of rules th- throughout this uh, pandemic shutdown, but uh, that's clearly got to be one of them. Another factor in this though was, of course, uh, what happened with Polly Farmer. Um, you know, he died uh, last year, but one day decided to do an autopsy on his brain. They realised that he had CTE, which is a, a, a disease which is caused from you know repeated head knocks, um, which he would have suffered during his time playing football. One of the you know the Graham's the game's great players. Um, now, CTE has also been linked to uh, NFL uh, over in America, and there's a huge lawsuit that took place. It was a billion-dollar lawsuit. I think it even might still be dragging on because um, players over there have suffered immensely after they've suffered all those head knocks for NFL teams, and then they've had permanent damage, um, you know, for the rest of their life, which, you know, the AFL will ma- want to make sure that they get on top of this because they would hate for their players later in life to start developing some of these terrible symptoms caused by not looking after their players with correct concussion protocols then having them to endure, you know, lifelong effects that, you know, really is diminishing their life after footy. Well, I think that's that's already happening with players, lower former players like Johnny Platten, John Barnes, you know, um, the, the Peter Jess is, is, is supporting them um, throughout the um, that process that the, there's going to be a lot of players uh, come out uh, with that, especially that played in the 80s, 70s, 80s mm. and 90s where, you know, you really got knocked out in the first quarter and you were back playing in the second quarter, weren't you? So um, there's, <laughs> there, there's it, I would, I'd fear of how many uh, footballers um, that uh, will, are currently going through this, and 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 if if it takes some some big name players to uh, to, to come out as 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 they have have done, and uh, there's probably be more to come. Um, yeah, the AFL really have to get on <clears throat> get on top of this because uh, it's uh, it's 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 going down the NFL path. I fear. If yeah. you haven't seen that movie Concussion, it's uh, it's certainly one uh, eye-opening experience that for a couple of hours. Um, it, that is going to be your first introduction to it if you haven't really uh, got much of an understanding of Concussion CT. Quite remarkable anyway. Let's get stuck into one of our favourite parts and welcome back, Jace, for this pass or fast. Yes. Can we get an ironing board out there on the sideline? Absolutely farcical. It's farcical. 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 We're playing out of fast. It ends farcically. The rules are a fast. Farcical. That sounds farcical. It's a bit of a farce. It's a disgrace. 
we'll kick it off. Uh, we'll, we'll stick with the footy theme. Uh, we love talking about footy, don't we? Um, uh, Sunday footy show, I think it was. Uh, Nathan Brown uh, come up with an idea uh, about having a draft uh, during the shutdown, just for this season, uh, bringing back some retired players to current teams that could help out current teams. So uh, Nathan Brown's old man draft idea for season 2020, pass or farce. Well, who are some of these players that are involved in this, please? Because I, I need some clarification on what you're talking about. Old players drafted by clubs. Right. So uh, he's come up with uh, Collingwood looking at Nick Rewalt or Jared Waite. Oh, wow. Uh, Brett Delidio or Dale Thomas for the Hawks. <laughs> Uh, Jared Rufford to play with the Saints. He's already there as uh, assistant coach, but he could play with the Saints. Uh, Geelong drafting Aaron Sanderlands. Uh, Carlton linking up Eddie Betts with Cyril Rioli. What is the point of this? Jeez. Alex Rance going oh. to Essendon. Oh, Will oh the Crows drafting Brendan Favola. Oh, <laughs> and, and, and I'll finish it off. With Port Adelaide drafting Kurt Tippett. Oh, yeah. oh you fast. That's the worst right of all. That's <laughs> disgusting. Mate, Fev couldn't get a kick in a stampede. That's how well he's going. <laughs> the fact that he's going to be drafted to a club, he's probably 40. So I tell you what, fast. This whole list is a fast. Kurt Tippett, jog on, mate. You wouldn't be seen dead wearing a bloody till, black and white, that's for sure. Oh, dear. Could you imagine Fev and Tex up front? Oh, <laughs> look at That'd that. That would be a mar- marketing dream. If that was 10 years ago, I would be all over that. But this is just a, this is a dead set joke. This is stupidity. Nah, fast for mine. What the heck is yeah, he fast. thinking? It's a massive farce. Uh, it's something you'd probably do in AFL Evolution, Sam. You'd make yes. up those players and and and, <laughs> and bring them back. But uh, it's something to uh, to do on the PlayStation or the Xbox. Not not, yeah. not in real life, surely. That's right Jeez. up there with Hutchie's Tasmania idea. Just for one season, no thanks. So I'm not up for that stuff. <laughs> uh, I'd love to see it though. I'd love to see. It. I'd love to see it. Fever the Crows. Oof. Oh, that'd be great. Um, next one, uh, Mick Malthouse on the weekend uh, uh, come out and said that uh, when the AFL resumes that they should cancel round one and everyone should start on zero again. So Mick Malthouse's scrap the round one points. I reckon, I reckon the later the season go, or the, this, uh, this period drags out where there's no games played, the Bigger pass, I think Nick Molehouse is talking. I think he's talking some truth there. There's a huge gap in terms of where round one is played to where potentially round two is played. It could be months, three or four months. So, uh, you know, is it the same? Are they going to go back with the same circumstances? Maybe, maybe not. I think if they, they don't go back and it's um, for a, a big amount of time or a period amount of time and they all of a sudden they're starting back with hubs, then we're looking at a completely different round one to round two. So yeah, there's some validity in, in what he's saying. It's probably a bit, a bit of a pass of mine. I think there's there's got a little be there's got to be a bit of um um I don't know. You got to think about this this competition. How much how much worth do we put on each round and every game that gets played because it doesn't matter when it got played 
at the end of the day, it could be played... Look, round two could get played in September and round one could have been played in March, and yet it's still part of the same season. So I think at the, it all has to count regardless. Um, if you're going to have any... If you're going to place any sort of importance on the season itself being what it is, you can't just start the season, stop it, and then say we're restarting it again from September onward and, and just pretend it never happened. You started the season. Like, you got it underway. You chose to start it. You can't fall back and say, no, you know what, disregard that. Waste of time, not worth choosing to keep those results. Because, I mean, Port Adelaide right now, you're jumping for joy that they're top of the ladder and might win the premiership by default. But it won't count. <laughs> because it has to count. It has to count if this if this competition um, really uh, has any sort of credibility. Mickey Malthouse, that's, that's, that's a massive fast, mate. Seriously. <laughs> Come on. Fair <laughs> income. What are you doing? The the, the AFL has been coming out and saying ever since the season has been postponed, there's 144 games left. And, Mickey, that's because nine have already been played. (laughs) So they're counting every single game. And this is not coming from uh, a man that bleeds black, white and teal and we're sitting top of the ladder for five months. How you be top of the ladder for five months and still probably won't win the flag? That's going to be disappointing. (laughs) But... um, they count, Mickey. Like, they count. If, if, and if and if they don't count, then what? Do the players don't get paid for that game as well? Mm. That's a big farce. That's a massive farce. I'd like to see him be a coach of a team and him uh, come across and say, oh, yeah, no, well, I know we won round one, but uh, no, we, we're, I'm happy to scrap that. Yeah, well, there, there's nine coaches that uh, think it's a pass and there's nine coaches that's that right. think it's a pass at this point. But seriously, Mickey, fair dink. <laughs> All right, Um Next one, well, we'll keep with the footy theme. Um, bringing back the five-minute warning during AFL games or the coverage of oh. AFL games. Yeah, it's a great Channel 10 initiative, this one. Oh. Um, <laughs> the five-minute warning was probably the best part of when they telecasted games back on the, 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 the Channel 10 station. So I'm all for it. Bring back the five-minute warning. I just want to have make sure that when Channel 7 do it, that they have a little Channel 10 little logo in the corner. <laughs> Pass for mine. This is, I, I massively agree. Channel 10 did some great things with their footy coverage. They were pioneering in a way, and that was one of the great things that just never caught on anywhere else. They what I don't understand. Personally, as a kid, I used to hate it because I was like, I don't know how long's left. And then you'd go yeah. to Channel 7 and they'd switch it back to the old countdown. And, and then you realize how boring the last five minutes got because mm. we were so used to the tense, the tension of never knowing. And then I thought, hang yeah. on, I've, I'd, I'd rather not know. So, oh, massive pass. It's a huge pass for me. That, uh, that was one of the best things, um, going to footy at Footy Park and having the count up clock um for all quarters really you just didn't didn't know um ha- uh, how long there was to go um casing point the 2004 preliminary final where i had about five heart attacks in the in, in the last quarter <laughs> you just did not know what was uh well what was going on there but now the um the, the five minute warning yes bring it back but uh, the the only thing channel 10 did wrong jace yes is they should have said the 10 minute warning it, right, yeah, yeah, of course. <laughs> makes sense. Do a, a ten and a five. That might that might have worked better. Yeah. <laughs> well, seven will do and a uh, seven-minute warning now. You watch. <laughs> yeah. And I would like uh, my spotter's fee for that too, Channel yeah. 7. Uh, so if you just uh, this way, please. All right. Uh, yeah, no, nah, big pass. Um, 
we'll go off footy. Enough of footy. Uh, next one. Uh, this week, um, Wisdom named their Cricketer of the Year. And it was Ben Stokes. Ooh. So Ben Stokes, Cricketer of the Year. Pass or farce? It's funny because he had such uh, prominent... Uh, performances in two of the greatest games of 2019. That Ashes yeah. match where he beat us with his own bat and the, and, and must not forget the, the bowling effort the day before which got him there. And then also the World Cup final which was just unbelievable. They are standout performances and they deserve um, to put a man like him into that position to win the Wisdom Cricket of the Year. However, Steve Smith... How he has been disregarded for this for this spot. I mean, it, one of the greatest, most all-time Ashes series, game after game. You couldn't, no one knew how to get the guy out. And then he comes to Australia, plays pretty well as well. Uh, just, I, I would have liked to have thought that he was at least right there with Ben Stokes. I know Ben Stokes had a pretty good summer, but goodness me, uh, Smithy, he must have been close. Yeah, also, uh, there's another the, uh, a cricketer that you forgot to mention is Patrick Cummins. Oh, yes. He, um, he was able to take a few wickets. He was able to steer the ship for Australia as well. And, geez, if, if um, Smithy was uh, first in your books, he's probably first in my books in, in uh, Patrick Cummins. So, you know, Stokesy obviously had a great summer for England. Like you said, in the Ashes game, it was phenomenal where he steered them home. It was amazing. Um, to watch that back in the tests and, and see, you know, how well he did. You know, and Australia having all those missed opportunities to really get him out and, and also win that match and then it, they was able to steer them home. So, yeah, interesting that they've named him number one. Um, I thought there was a couple of Australians that have probably just uh, beaten him to the line. This is a huge farce. This, oh. is, this, is, this is the farce of the week. Oh. This is but Ben Stokes. is a two-game wonder. <laughs> what are you doing the other? What are you doing the other games? He, he, he luckily beat beat us in a test match when Nathan Lyon should have ran Jack Leach out. And no, if Nathan Lyon does that run out, he's been known for one game, and that Ooh. game was a draw. <laughs> Seriously, you go get him. Great call, Stokes. The Ben Stokes wasn't even the best English player in the Ashes. Stuart Broad <laughs> was the best English player in the Ashes. <laughs> This is fantastic. Seriously, but then, but then I can understand why Smithy didn't get it because he's probably ineligible. It's probably the Brownlow rule. He's probably it was banned. Oh Oh, no, that's a fast. That's the case. Surely, surely, if you tamper with the ball, you're ineligible for cricket of the year. Nah, that was was two years ago. (laughs) Two years ago. (laughs) Get over it. (laughs) But uh, yeah, Cummins maybe. But uh, I think I think the cricket of the year is uh, Blabashan. Oh, minus. Had a very good summer. Very good summer. So, but no, Ben Stokes cricket of the year is a huge farce. Farce. You know, to say it again. Farce. I'm, I'm glad you're angry about that. Jeez, played good in a draw, mate. Seriously, didn't even win the game. <laughs> Fair dinkum. Oh dear. Right. Um, uh, we'll go across to the hoops. Um, clearly, uh, in the states, uh, they they want some live sport, and they want some live sport really, really bad. So, ESPN and the NBA brought out the horse challenge over the weekend. So, if people don't understand what the horse game is, it's where 
pretty much uh, basketball is one on one where basketballers do trick shots. Uh, if and if the if they get the shot in, um, the the other the other player has to match that shot and get it in. And um, if you miss five times, uh, you lose. Mm. But uh, I want to know your guys' thoughts because clearly we all watched it. Uh, the NBA ESPN horse challenge, pass or farce. Oh, they, they're trying to be creative and they're trying to have a crack. I mean, give them a pass because why not give it a bit of a go? I think what I want to turn my attention to real quickly, a bit off the side, is the fact that they tried to put together an NBA 2K challenge with, with players. And I thought, that's a great idea, get players to play a video game and try and win a championship. It's just the most boring <laughs> visual. I could, at least the players are actually doing things themselves in uh, in this horse challenge. The, the ones where they're on the computer game and they're just sitting there on on, on uh, headsets like yourself there, Dale, having a little giggle to themselves because they didn't alley-oop. And meanwhile, they're just dribbling up and down the court. I was just boring as batshit. So no, this, this horse one's great. At least they're doing something. Yeah, it's a, uh, I guess it's a pass because, like you said, they are doing something. But Jesus Flat, you know, like just watching, watching professional players, you know, hit a shot. Like, come on. Like the best thing about the NBA and bar- the best thing about basketball is all the, uh, you know, the creative flair stuff that they do with dunks and, you know, jamming on each other. But, you know, we were talking about a tournament where they're just literally just picking out shots. Like, it's, it's not real uh, high entertainment if you, if you call it that. But I guess, you know, as it stands right now, we'll take anything. Yeah, we will. <laughs> Uh, it's a bit of a farce. It's a bit of a farce for mine. It's um, as a basketball purist, it didn't really look all that good. Um, it, uh, n- nothing's quite like a live game. I would have much preferred them to uh, replay a, a classic game rather than um, having some NBA players in their backyard trying to, you know, shoot shoot a basket off their roof and off the fence and, and stuff like that, which some of them were doing. So uh, that's a bit of a farce. And uh, as Sam, you actually brought up the 2K challenge, which was going to, going to be the next pass or Oh, farce. sorry. Um, that is a huge farce but on so <laughs> many levels. So many levels. Number one, number one, just say it's Kevin Durant played Donovan Mitchell, for example. Yeah. They didn't even play as their own team. I know. What a joke! Like, what? That's that's a far. That's yes. fast on one le- one level. S- second level, it's. I, I get that you can have to you have to watch the gameplay, but surely there's a way that two K or whoever um, uh, broadcasts the thing that it could be some sort of broadcast view, yeah, um, of it rather than you know actually playing the game which is not really that aesthetic but you know you know it's live it's you don't know who's going to win so hmm. the, there's that aspect to it but now the the 2k challenge was the, that 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 was a bit of a oh, farce. and you know what they also did which was disgraceful they kept they, they turned all the commentary and the atmosphere noise down so it was really faint in the background and all you could hear over the top of that was Oh yeah, good shot, mate. Oh, and they're just—it's the blokes, blokes making silly noises in their lounge room. Meanwhile, you've got um, the commentators in the background, which is what you're really watching for—the atmosphere and the and the fun and the flair from the game—is all washed our way in the background. It's like, oh, give us, give us the, give us the real mood. Oh, real hard to watch. The only part, the only pass from it, is 
do yourself a favour, everyone. Go back and look up Patrick Beverley's games uh, in the 2K Challenge because Patrick Beverley will be a commentator after he retires. Some of the stuff that Patrick Beverley comes at up with and I think he went through a few headsets too. He's not, <laughs> he's a very emotional uh, being, uh, Patrick Beverly. But uh, yeah, do yourselves a favor and go watch Patrick uh, Beverly. You don't even have to watch the game, you just have to watch him. Some of his uh, reactions to uh, to the game is uh, <laughs> a brilliant. There is one little bit of relief though, in terms of getting away from video games and uh, horse, is that ESPN is going to be airing The Last Dance, which is. Yeah. Uh, Michael Jordan's The Bulls' uh, 98 season. So their last one that they won. So that'll be airing next, next, yeah, next uh, Monday night. So that's going to be some good viewing. I can't wait for that. Yeah, some good viewing in 97, 98 across uh, a couple of countries, the US and Australia. <laughs> um, we, uh, we certainly will... Um, talk a little bit more about that next week I think when we come back because uh, when that one airs on ESPN and Netflix uh, we'll be all over it uh, as we have sort of been with a few other series, we are talking about the test a few weeks back, uh, we, did we watch Tiger King we talked about that last week with Hutto How did, you, did, you, did you boys end up getting on Tiger King? I'm avoiding oh. Tiger King oh. <laughs> Jace? I've seen it it's, it's a strange it's a strange series, oh, it's boy, a it is. real strange uh, <laughs> Preachers walking around in a few of those episodes. <laughs> as, as I said a couple of weeks ago, I'd much prefer it to be about Tiger Woods and LeBron James. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. Yeah, some, yeah, it's a very, very, very bizarre storyline, but oh my goodness, uh, the stuff that goes on, you pretend you almost think it isn't real. But anyway, that's for you to find out if you want to watch Tiger King. It's on Netflix. Hey, boys, um, just before we go, um, probably should have done this at the top of the show, probably will over the next few shows, but there's something we sort of want to start doing um, while everyone is uh, away from work, or not everyone's away from work, but they're at home a lot um, and they're on their social media platforms a lot and they're consuming more and more and more each and every day um, on socials and and we thought, well, why not? Since you're sitting down watching Netflix and since you're looking around for new podcasts and new things to consume and watch and and listen to, might as well play a part in that here at the Press Box and try and help you out, our listeners, our loyal listeners who do their best to tune in every week. Might as well help you out with trying to find you a brand new show or or podcast to find and listen to. So we're going to start sort of building a bit of a community here. And over the next maybe couple of months, depending on how long coronavirus really does go for, we might even extend this for a while. If you give us a shout out on social media or in any sort of form, you could be a Twitter page, a Facebook page, YouTube show, a podcast, whatever. Give us a shout out on your socials. We'll give you a shout out back. It's about sharing the love and integrating all the listeners from those shows and our shows all together. And you just never know where you might find your next favorite show or podcast. So for us here at the Press Box, we sort of want get to get the ball rolling. Um, give us a bit of a share online um, and see who might share back. And we'll share what you've got to offer as well because there's so much out there and uh, everyone's got a whole bunch of uh, favourite shows and podcasts they're trying to consume right now, so might as well share the love. Yeah, Pat McAfee, if you're listening to this, mate, here's a shout-out from the press yes. box. We hope that we're, uh, we're able to do an interview with you sometime soon. And maybe, this maybe, this is this is the way we get Corey Homicide-Williams onto the press yes. box. Yes, oh, It had to start somewhere. <laughs> he's, ignored, he's ignored all of my inboxes still. Says he's, <laughs> says he's read him and he's never replied. Cheers, Corey. <laughs> just, as, um, just having said that, Sam, what, what, what's a couple that 
um, we listen to weekly, regularly, daily. Oh. Um, that we can give a shout-out to just uh, for free. Nice and early. Uh, there's a couple that I really, really like. Um, Radio Game Changers from um, Craig Bruce is – uh, just phenomenal. It's, uh, it's for radio heads anyway, for people who are interested in that. It's the starting and behind the scenes stories of people that come um, from the, from where they, from basically the very beginnings all the way into where they became. And then also the Sounding Board podcast. I know they're very mainstream ones, these ones, but uh, with Hutchie and um, Damien Barrett, very interesting media insight too. So I know we're sort of along those lines. I thought I'd give those some specific plugs because they are very interesting if you're not on them already. Yeah, well, my two uh, go-tos for... Uh my uh, running, uh, besides the press box, obviously, yes, is uh, is obviously our good friends at uh, Trash Talk and uh, yes. and obviously uh, MBL Overtime, but also another uh, shout out to MBL Rewind, which Cam Luke and our man Liam San Maria have started up the last few weeks has been absolute gold, especially for basketball fans in their late. To mid thirties, like me, just uh, rekindling the nineteen nineties uh, NBL, probably before use boy, you YouTube boys are even thought of. <laughs> yeah, mine would have to be the uh, the Howie games. Obviously, um, pretty commercial, but he still does it like no one else. Howie, and um, probably the other one is the other one, Pat, the Pat McAfee show, which is um, a big yeah. podcast over in America. They've got millions of fans. Jeez, if we can get a shout out on his show, we'll be doing wonders over here. We'll be having to sign autographs. Don't worry, we're to walk through work without Kevin's uh, his glasses signed. As um as has anyone asked Pat McAfee if he's got the antivirus to a coronavirus? <laughs> he might. He might do. Of Could course. Of course, we uh, we do definitely want to uh, make it less commercial too. We want to hear from you. The community podcasts are out there. The upstarts, you might be just getting your, your podcast started or your show started or you might be uh, an experienced one. You've been around for years and you really just want to uh, tap into our community as we do with yours. Everyone wants to share in all the sporting love right now because there isn't much going on. So might as well try and find something that you're going to love uh, in the future and go on with it. Hey, uh, boys, it's been a very good show. It's great to have you back, Jace. I tell you what. It, how, oh, it's good to be back even though I'm in my lounge room. How good is this? <laughs> is, 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 that, is, that, is that a Tiger King print in the background? Yeah, it looks yeah, it's like. A, it's, it's a like there you go. It's an, it's an Indian uh, Indian woman there. Very abstract looking. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, boy. And uh, obviously, for a free shout-out, I'll be listening to uh, – you can listen to it uh, in the morning uh, after you listen to this mm-hmm. – is uh, uh, the lowdown this week is uh, sensational with Tommy Rocklip and uh, – Brody Smith, actually, in your advertiser on Wednesday, Tommy Rockliffe gives you a, an at-home workout to oh. uh, train up, train up to be an AFL footballer. So, uh, wow. beautiful. Get on that. That's incredible. Well, fantastic stuff, boys. We're going to have plenty more shout-outs to come at top of the shows each and every week. Uh, but that will uh, end us here for tonight. Uh, have a great week and stay safe and uh, stay at home. Of course, it's very important in these times. Boys, we'll see you all next week from uh, from your land rooms again. We'll see you next week. See you, boys.